You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the group think, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering the conservative conscience. And welcome back to the conservative conscience here at Conservative Review's Northern Command. And this is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house for a new wonderful week here at the truth-telling headquarters. And I know some of you are so committed to this show and you are so committed to learning the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, that you will even be willing to bear with me today that I sound like I got a sex change operation. Well, no, I haven't joined the sexual alphabet soup. I just got a summertime cold, which is kind of miserable. Um, there's something about summertime colds that are just worse than wintertime colds. And it, what's really a shame is that the weather is just unbelievable. Today, the next couple of days, you know, 60s, low 70s. If I feel a little better today, I was going to go uh, take my kids out after work today, play outside because, you know, the last week or two, it's just been so hot and humid. Um, <laughs> so just bear with me. Sniffling, coughing, you name it. Um, sorry about that. And I'm going to try to have a guest on tomorrow because these things usually take a couple days to clear up. So, you know, you won't have to listen to my voice, but you will still get the same intrepid information that... Frankly, you're not going to hear elsewhere. Um, I've I've stopped monitoring some of these other shows. I just I don't even know what they're doing these days. But we're going to continue talking about what's important. The good news today, and by the way, it is June 3rd, our first show in June, Monday. Uh, as of this morning, thank God the Supreme Court is done for the week. June is usually the blockbuster month where we get all the cases. So. Nothing big happened today, so there's going to be nothing until next Monday. Thank God, because there is so much happening on immigration. A couple other things. There's going to be some healthcare news this week with the president announcing, I think, an effort to force price transparency on the healthcare market. We're going to we're going to discuss that as the, as the week develops. But for today, I wanted to discuss. America becoming a third world country, really in every sense of the word. Every sense of the word. You know, Webster's Dictionary defines a third world country as the aggregate of the underdeveloped nations of the world. Now, what does it mean to be underdeveloped? Well, it means to have... No sovereignty or limited sovereignty. You don't control your own territory. That's one of the major factors defining an underdeveloped nation. I have an article out today. Maybe we'll get to in greater detail. We talked about it last week. Contrasting the map of Mexico to that of Afghanistan in terms of government control and how little control they have over the important provinces, districts, and how insurgency groups, the Taliban in Afghanistan, the cartels in Mexico, control the territory. But I was thinking, in reality, 
Our country is no different. It's just more subtle. We might have the ability to control it, but we don't. We don't control it. My border agent friend in Texas sends me a message this morning just in his area. 1,232 apprehended today. 347 got away that we know of. That's almost a quarter. So we're, we're talking a lot about the guys that come through who are very problematic and we let them go. But you could imagine in this era where we're offering such open amnesty and you still don't want to surrender and you want to run away. These are the worst of the worst. You know, every day you see CBP announces they caught previous, you know, murderers, sex offenders in America that were previously deported, gang members, cartel members. Remember that when they know based on the sensors and the cameras of 347 just in one area that got away just one day. It's going to be a lot of those type of people. And as we mentioned before, the worse you are, the more likely you are to get in because the more you're paying to strategically be smuggled in away from the agents. That's a third world country, my friends. We don't have control over our sovereignty. Anyone who wants could come in. I mean, that's the hallmark of these African countries. But I wanted to take that a step further. Again, this is a perspective you're not really going to see elsewhere. So I want you to listen very carefully. Over the weekend, or it was really, it was really Monday, CBP, uh, the Friday, CBP put out a statement and said that the first large group of African migrants have come through in the Del Rio area. That was an area where they previously got very little traffic. Now they're getting a lot of people. And they've had a total of 180 groups come in. Th think about that. 180 groups have come in this year. Caravans. On the face of it, that's not asylum. Asylum is an individual, a couple of individuals. It's an invasion. But this was the first one that was African in nature. Okay, that's what they put out. Now, we've been reporting for quite some time. Africans and really people from all over the country, all over the world, have been trickling in. But particularly, we're seeing, and I've heard this for a while, Congo, Cameroon, and Angola. So 80 were from Congo, 35 from Angola, one from Cameroon. It was exclusively an African group. So again, you know there's a specific smuggling route, specific smugglers for that, and they're likely paying a little bit more. So they came in. Now, you know, and they, they posted a video of this. It's important to recognize, just as a baseline, just as a baseline here, that... There are, by my count, 88 nations where the per capita GDP is lower than that of Guatemala. Guatemala is about 4,400 as of 2017. 
you have almost the entire continent of Africa whose GDP per capita is lower than that. Many other parts of the world. There's nothing unique about Central America other than we've been tolerating illegal immigration from these countries for a while. And because we had so much from Mexico and we basically turned the culture and language of large swaths of this country into Spanish. So, you know, they're they're able to easily come. They have family here already who are illegal. So, A, there's more of a desire to come. B, it's easier because they smuggle them in. They help pay for it. That's the only reason why we have the large numbers from those countries. But it doesn't mean that it can't happen from anywhere in the world. And indeed, the more they come, the more they plant seeds, the more for years to come, we're going to have caravans from dozens upon dozens of countries. So this is pretty big news. We still will not draw a line in the sand at all (laughs) on closing our border. All right, so Central Americans seem to have, they have a special claim. But no, they'll come from everywhere, and we still will not draw a line in the sand. And, and that's the thing, there's an unlimited number of these countries. If you announce that because the Trump administration is terrified of the courts, they're going to just suspend the INA, well, they're going to come from any impoverished place. Angola, the GDP per capita is 4,247. Cameron, it's 1,452. Congo, 2,147. Not surprising, they're going to come. But I think you know why I'm talking about Congo and these countries in particular. Right now in Congo, there is the worst Ebola outbreak in their history and the second worst Ebola outbreak in Africa's history. The big one was in 2014, 2015. And yet we're, we brought in 116 people from these countries. Cameron and, and Angola border those countries. I'm going to get to that in a minute. And we just bring them in. No questions. I mean, to me, what I don't understand is if the drugs, the gangs, the crime, the public charge, the poverty, the social problems of mass migration is not enough to declare a shutoff, shouldn't we do it on health grounds alone? At least from from these countries? I mean, look, Central America, we know we're having mumps, chikungunya, dengue fever, scabies, chicken pox. But I mean, this is Ebola. This is most people who get Ebola die. There's no known treatments that definitively work and there's no vaccination for the Ebola virus. Very contagious and very deadly. How in the world could we not just turn them around? No. You 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 cross that river. We will not let you in. Um that is it 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 is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Do you understand what what, what you have from there? And then in addition, you have yellow fever from all these countries. Cameron and Angola specifically have a measles outbreak. 
You go, it's on CDC's website. You go to the countries, they say there is currently a measles outbreak. I mean, again, under 1182, they are inadmissible. Under 1222 of the of the of 8 USC, they have to be detained for a sufficient time to enable immigration officers and medical officers to subject such aliens to observation and examination sufficient to determine whether or not they belong to inadmissible classes. That's not what they're doing. That is not what they are doing. They screen them, meaning if they currently have symptoms now. But they're not screening them for the American people. They're screening them for their purposes. Oh, are you sick? Okay, here's some health, free health care. But CDC says very clearly that when it comes to Ebola, quote, when someone gets an infected with Ebola, they will not show signs or symptoms of illness right away. And, and, and the symptoms they do show initially are basically fever, headache, and weakness, which is very ambiguous. Anyone who's in Border Patrol will tell you they don't have trained people that, that, that could vet that out. I mean, even, even, even uh, you know, trained physicians don't necessarily have experience with some of these things coming in. This was a point made by the bipartisan Homeland Security Advisory Council report. They made it my exact observation. So... I sent in a query to CBP and I said, look, A, do you still stand by your um, statement that, uh, you know, that you haven't at least seen anyone who has contracted Ebola, confirmed cases? And, and they answered, yes, we stand, that statement's still accurate. But I also asked them, I said, look, in light of the outbreak, is there a different protocol for African family units? In other words, given that this is what I asked. In other words, given the high um, risk of diseases, is there a mandate to detain these families and not release them as immediately as the Central Americans? And I said, given 8 U.S.C. 1222A requires the government to detain them for a sufficient time period. You know, again, do you do you not release them? And they said, no, the process is the same. Officers and agents review all individuals they come into contact with for signs of illness and notify CDC as needed. But again, if at that, but that's very clear. The answer is no. It's not like, look, if you're from Africa, yeah, we're going to make sure you're held for a certain number of days so we could rule out, you know, we have an incubation period to rule out that you are carrying it. No. They don't do blood tests. They don't do, I mean, they, look, if you're not experiencing symptoms and you're coming with a kid, you're released like a Central American is. Not that Central Americans aren't bringing in a number of diseases too. But I'm saying they take it even this far. You think like with an Ebola outbreak, inadmissible. Or at the very least, if you don't want to do that, incubation period. Nope. America has become a third world country. Let me tell you something about the irony of all ironies here. The irony of all ironies. So they're coming in along with those from Congo. They're coming in from Angola. 
And as I noted, Angola themselves have a measles outbreak, which should make them inadmissible. Do you know the irony is that Angola closed its northern border last year with Congo? So... (laughs) Think about it. Angola with a GDP per capita of just a few thousand, we call we would call it a third world underdeveloped country. They see an Ebola outbreak and they close their border to Congolese. We have Congolese coming to the border and we let them in with catch and release the same way we are letting in Central Americans. Folks, that, my friends, is a third world country. It's pretty unbelievable. You can't make this stuff up. Angola is concerned with uh, diseases more than we are. So there's that. Where does this all stem from? Other countries don't have the ability to execute the social compact with their people. They don't have the resources and development to properly protect their people from what a government normally would protect their citizenry from, which is why we join together as a society and create through the social compact this government. America, we have the resources, all right. We don't have the mindset. We don't have the mentality. We don't have the will or desire. You look at the government press releases and all they care about is saving face so they're not blamed for not properly treating the foreign nationals, people for whom you could say whatever you want, but at the end of the day, that is not their job. But for the people for whom they do have a job to protect, no, couldn't care less. They blow us off. Yeah, no, we screen everyone. Don't worry, Daniel. Really? So this morning, CBP put out a statement regarding the death of a Salvadoran national. Ooh, what is this, like number seven? And what's amazing is they put out a statement and they have an entire timeline. Like, that's how meticulous they are. Like, no, no, don't blame us, please, please. So you see, our government media culture has created this expectation that the lives of of aliens who break into our country and endanger us empower cartels but that themselves get sick and endangered by the cartels that like we're on the hook for that. We better have an accounting for every last alien that dies on, you know, even though there's hundreds of thousands coming under the worst circumstances coming from the worst health conditions. But when it comes to Americans, there doesn't need to be an accounting. We have so many unanswered questions about what they are and aren't doing to protect Americans at the border. But I just want to read to you the details, how detailed they were. According to initial reports, U.S. Border Patrol agents from Rio Grande Valley sector apprehended a man near the border in Roma, Texas at 1210. Shortly after taking him into custody, agents called EMS after they observed signs that the man was suffering from an apparent seizure at 1222 p.m. An EMT-certified Border Patrol agent quickly initiated emergency medical care until EMS arrived. EMS continued emergency care and transported into a local hospital. 
Despite all efforts to save the 33-year-old man's life, hospital authorities pronounced him deceased. At this time, CBP is not releasing the identity of the individual until can confirmation that the man's loved ones have been notified. See how, see how concerned we are of their privacy. <clears throat> the care of those in CBP's custody is paramount. Consistent with policies, CBP's Office of Professional Responsibility has initiated a review. I mean, remember we spoke about the fact that state and federal prisons have a hundred times greater mortality rate than those in immigration custody, even though they're coming under much worse circumstances and they're coming from, you know, countries with where, where, where the health standards standards are much lower. Yet they have to do an internal review and transparency every time. Do you hear this for Americans, American criminals? But again, this is yet another example of how foreign national criminals are, you know, ha- have a greater protection than American criminals. As we've always said, American criminals, obviously you do the time, you do the crime, you do the time. And if you have a kid, that doesn't matter. Of course, you're going to be separated from your kid because you have to be prosecuted. So your kid's going to be sent to child protective custody. But when it comes to foreign nationals invading us and empowering dangerous and deadly cartels, no. There's a special uh, constitutional clause written in in, uh, invisible ink that they can't be prosecuted if that would result in a separation. Statement attributable to Acting Commissioner John P. Sanders, a 33-year-old Salvadoran man, suffered a seizure and passed away after emergency medical personnel attempted to save his life. On behalf of the men and women of uh, USCBP, we extend our deepest condolences to those who are just learning of the tragic death of their loved one. Do they extend condolences every time an American dies as a result of them? Because this happens every day. And then they list a timeline, timeline of June 2nd, 2019. 12.10 p.m., agents apprehend a group of illegal aliens near Roma, Texas. 12.21 p.m., agents inv- advise that a man was suffering a seizure. Agents advise that the man has become unresponsive. 12.22, agents request EMS via service radio. RGV sector con- con- contacts EMS. 9-11 operator dispatched EMS. 12.25, a certified EMT patrol agent arrives in the area and administers CPR. That's pretty good. Three minutes. Four minutes later, EMS arrives. Two minutes after that, paramedics administer emergency care. And then 14 minutes later, EMS took the men to the local hospital. Border Patrol's agents escort escorted the ambulance. Glad to know how meticulous we are in caring for everyone that just drops their dead and sick and diseases on us. But when it comes to prima facie threats, when we know people are coming with the worst diseases from the worst countries, coming in close quarters under the worst circumstances, they come to our border and we know they're released within hours. No, they're, they're, you know, we notify CDC, we work with them, we screen them out. Nothing to see. No details. And then, of course, we have the Inspector General report that a number of agents are getting sick and they're not showing up for work. And I hear, you know, there's a big complaint in the union. They're getting sick. 
It's not clear what they're getting sick with, but it's clear that it's happening more than usual. Why don't their lives matter? Why just because of, meaning let's say the cartels never existed and this wouldn't be a time of war, which it basically is. That's a no-brainer. But just on the healthcare grounds, how we don't close our border. But again, we are a third world country because we have underdeveloped values. We have underdeveloped mindset in this government, if not resources. And you know, another hallmark of a third world country is again, one that doesn't enforce its laws, right? A lawless territory. This is from Breitbart, John Binder. Feds, only 11 employers prosecuted for hiring illegals last year. Although Donald Trump, the President Trump's administration has increased interior immigration, immigration enforcement by increasing the total number of arrests and deportations of illegal aliens, results that have lifted the wages of millions of working and middle-class Americans, little to no progress has been made in terms of increasing the prosecution of businesses and employers who, that knowingly hire illegal aliens over American citizens. Federal data obtained by track at Syracuse University reveals that while Trump has tightened the labor market via more arrests and deportations of illegal immigrants, U.S. employers and businesses continue to largely get away with illegal hiring practices. Between April 2018 through March 2019, for instance, only 11 employers were prosecuted for hiring illegal aliens over Americans. In the last year, no businesses were prosecuted for hiring illegal aliens. Of those 11 employers prosecuted, only three of them received prison time. Quote, not only are few employers prosecuted, fewer who are convicted receive sentences that amount to more than token punishment. Unquote, track analysts explain. Prison sentences are rare. You know, there's an entire section of law 8 U.S.C. 1324. It's called the 1324 violation. Let me, let me read to you some of that title. Any person who, who knowingly, who knowing that a person is an alien, brings to or attempts to bring to the United States in any matter whatsoever such person at a place other than a designated port of entry, or knowing or in reckless disregard of the fact that an alien has come to, entered, or remains in the United States in violation of law, transports or moves or attempts to transport or move such an alien within the United States, or knowing or in reckless disregard of the fact that an alien has come to, entered, or remains in the United States in violation of law, conceals, harbors, or shields from detection, or attempts to conceal, harbor, or shield, or encourages or induces an alien to come to, enter, or reside in the United States, or engages in any conspiracy to commit any of the preceding acts, or aids or abets the commission of any of the preceding acts, shall be punished with, basically, it's um, up to 10 years in jail. Now, it depends on which category. Some are 10, some are 5, some are 20. <laughs> But um, we never enforce this. 
we never enforce this. I mean, all these groups, Casa de Maryland, they transport them openly. They're inducing this. I mean, we don't prosecute any of this. Because when it comes to protecting Americans from foreign nationals, we are a third world country. It's that simple. But it's all political. It's not because we can't do it. But because of our mindset, we have less sovereignty than the country of Angola does. Even though Angola is so bad that they, we have now illegal immigrants coming from there. So anyway, I promise you guys that I'm going to continue focusing particularly on the healthcare concern of the border because that is one area where usually I don't suspect government of lying to us without evidence, but this is one area we already know they lie to us and they will do everything they can to openly say it's not a problem. Look, I have it on record from CBP Press. They say they have not yet actually seen an Ebola case. Now, you might have seen there have been people putting out on the internet rumors, something very specific about cases in Laredo, which is where it would be around that area. And, you know, they're denying it, but I'm, I'm going to get to the bottom of that. So we're going to work on that certainly in the coming days. <clears throat> Just going to get some uh, chicken soup here for my wife. Nothing like homemade chicken soup. Uh, really does the magic. I'm telling you, I feel like I got Ebola today. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, just talking about all these diseases makes me wonder. But anyway, um, lots of other stuff going on as well. You know, another another aspect of what's going on is when you look at Arizona and mainly most of California, much of what goes on in those areas, when you have people running away, they're in deserts or they're going to be on border ranch land. And as we've noted many times, our government doesn't give a darn about the ranchers. But when you have them on the loose in Texas, particularly in the Rio Grande Valley, guess what? You have city streets within blocks, within feet of the border. So um, my friend, who has now become a listener to this show, and I ho hopefully other border agents are able to listen to this show in the car. I mean, I guess they can't do much else good protecting this country, so they may as well listen to the show. But sent me pictures. I'm, I, I'm not going to publish them, but I'm looking at pictures where you literally have these illegals just roaming the streets, looking for houses, looking for water, um, some might be taken to stash houses. I mean, that is a third world country. I'm sorry, I'm not exaggerating here. I mean, we don't exactly consider Russia, at least not its economy, to be first world. But I can guarantee you, you can't come near their border and just uh, you know openly cross over and do what you want and have a quarter of them get away and we don't even apprehend. But that's what's happening there. So that's another thing we're going to report on in the coming days. Then you got another thing going on. You got governments... Um, 
I don't want to say cover up yet because I don't know the details. But remember on Friday's show, as we were on air, Breitbart broke a story that there was yet a second case where we had military harassed at the border. Evidently, there was a Marine that was in a mobile surveillance center. So they have these trucks, you know, kind of like they're they're very they're blacked out. So you're in the back with all the computers and gear, and you don't know who's going to sneak up on you if you don't have someone watching on the outside, which they didn't. We put our, our soldiers are like sitting ducks. We put them in a combat zone as sitting ducks. So there's one thing you monitor from an office, but we put them in the field to monitor, but then not in a combat readiness. And guess what? Evidently, this happened. Now it was it was the story broke on Friday. I think it was it happened, you know, maybe six days earlier. There's always a delayed reaction when we find out. But it turns out that this guy was attacked. They the you know his um sidearm was almost taken. He fired a warning shot, and the guy ran away. We don't know anything else. So I'm trying to make some calls, find out about that. That is also very, very difficult to find out. Just like with the diseases, they will not get back to us. So, you know, I have an email into Northcom trying to find out what's going on there. But I doubt they'll get back to me. This is the problem. The things that we need to know about the most, we know the least about. Isn't it unbelievable? I mean, if we have a Marine that was, they attempted to disarm at our own border. Okay, we have about 2,100 or so active duty, including Army Marines. We have roughly 2,700 National Guard, I believe, at the border. But the rules of engagement are awful. I mean, I don't even know what they're doing there. As we said last week, they can't even serve as spotters for Border Patrol. They can only monitor cameras, and then evidently they're doing so in a precarious situation where the enemy could sneak up on them because we refuse to recognize our own sovereignty. Refuse. It's out of control. Out of control. Um... I just I just don't know what to say. I don't understand how Border Patrol puts out a detailed timeline of every minute of an illegal being killed because that th- th- then it's full disclosure. Oh my gosh, illegals are sacred. I mean, if I came from Mars and I watched the operation of this government, I would think it is of by and for everyone in the world except for Americans. Why don't we have a detailed report? You know, not obviously compromising 
national security, but saying, hey, you know, here's what's happening with the diseases. Here's what's happening with the cartels attacking our soldiers. Here's what we're going to do about it. But nothing. Three days later, there's really nothing on it. There's nothing new. So literally, I just put in a request to CBP in California. I had a request out to Northcom, but I doubt they'll get back to me. So there's that. And by the way, my friend from the RGV area, he, he told me there is no coordination with CDC. There's no protocol for dealing with these people. It's exactly like I, I've been saying. They take a look at you, and if they don't see anything apparent, and again, these are a lot, often are not real hardcore medical experts. You know, I have a friend whose father is an, is an infectious disease doctor, okay? I mean, I doubt they have people of that caliber at the border. So these guys, because you know, um, the spokeswoman for CBP told me, oh, we, we coordinate with CDC, we let them know. There's no coordination, and if there is, it's a superficial level. So that's what's going on there. Are you sick? Let me see if you have lice. That's it. All these diseases, mumps, measles, Ebola, chikungunya, Zika, I mean, there it could often take several weeks for any symptoms to be apparent, much less symptoms they would be clued in on. So, that's what that. Now, let's move on a little bit couple more things. So number one, well, one good piece of news, um, Washington Post is reporting that the administration is bargaining hard with Mexico to secure, secure a third-party asylum agreement. Now, you know my view is we don't even need that. But look, at least if they'd get that, that's worthwhile. So far, Mexico is balking, according to the Washington Post. But that's like what I told you on Friday. The tariff thing is stupid, if you're just aimlessly hoping they secure our border for us, but if you're going to just bully them into signing a piece of paper on a third-party agreement, then it's worthwhile. But I mean, I think we all know that by this time next week, what was it, June 10th, he, he gave, an, gave an ultimatum. I doubt there will be any progress. And at this pace, it'll be like every other thing. It's going to be a dog and pony show. They'll, they'll have some informal agreement to help us and uh, and you know that that that's about it. So um, there we are. Unbelievable. So another hallmark of a third world country is that. A third world country has no control over the people coming into remaining in the country. Meaning a country that has sovereignty, you know, hey, you know, you're unlikely to get in. And if you do, you're not going to be able to get benefits. And certainly, certainly if you get in, we're, we're going to catch up to you. That's obvious. We are going to catch up to you. Okay. Now, guess what? 
As we noted, there are 1.1 million people in this country with final deportation orders that have not been deported. Roughly 40% of them are from Central America. Now, none of these people should have ever went through the process of going through an immigration judge to get orders because in 1996, Congress passed expedited removal to prevent this sort of lawfare. But these are the people that even gratuitously went through the lawfare and they were still ordered, deported mainly in absentia. And they remain in the country, like a third world country. We're like a failed state. So as you remember, one of the priorities of Mark Morgan, the new ICE director, acting ICE director, he spoke to us on the show. He's given us quotes in some of our articles before, and he put it in his congressional testimony. Uh, this is before he was picked or knew he would be picked for um, ICE director. He was just testifying as a former Border Patrol chief. And he said that the, you know this needs to be a big priority, that at least if we're not going to hold the line at the front end to plug the leak... We're not going to stop anything that comes in or return anything that comes over. But at least on the back end, we're going to deport Central American families. And not just only focus on those with criminal records, but take families at large, focus not on the quality, but on the quantity. And you start seeing large airlifts back to Central America. I want the airlifts back right at the border. But we, you know, they're too scared. They want to go through the lawfare. Okay. But at least the ones on the back end. And then the idea is that that would have a deterrent effect for those in the pipeline. Very, very simple idea. In other words, if, if we're going to cede the point that we need lawfare on the front end, at least take the ones that over time have already gone through the process and have a deportation order. And even if it means taking off ICE resources away from, let's say, criminal aliens. We all agree that pound per pound, if you have limited resources, you're going to want to go after people who are more dangerous. But this has an extra effect because there's a gushing flow that's got to stop. And we need to stop it at all costs. And one way of doing that is on the back end saying, hey, you know what? We're going to take a bunch of Central American families, whether you have a criminal record or not, and send you back. The whole issue now is what? They're coming here because they know you have a kid. You're going to be released. But there's a second step to that. They know that if you get released, you get a court date, you don't show up, and we're never going to catch up with you. But why does it have to be that way? Why don't we catch up with you? And what if we did? That's the message that Mark Morgan wants to send. Some of you watch Fox. Now, this was just you know sent to me. I don't watch Fox, so I wouldn't even know. But Tom Homan, who is the former ICE director... He was on Fox and Friends Friday morning, and he commented that there is a plan on the ICE director's desk already with the logistics to start doing this. And he says, I don't know why it's not being done. Now, I could tell you I do know why it's not being done. Because the ICE director doesn't really control ICE, ultimately. It's the DHS secretary who's above him. Who's the acting DHS secretary? Well, that's Kevin McAleenan. And Kevin McAleenan doesn't believe in sovereignty. Kevin McAleenan believes in being a politician, and it's not good press for him to ever deport families. So 
l- l- let's stop hiding behind this. Oh, the law forces us. To, and and we've, we've done this 50 million different ways, why they're really inadmissible and why, um, you know, the 1182F and 1222 on A1 on uh, health concerns voids out any asylum. Anyway, this is not asylum. It's a mass transportation uh, population transfer. It's not an individualized asylum. It's a prima facie invasion. Then you have the national security part effects of the cartel, which I spoke about today in my article. I'll link to in show notes. Spoke about a lot last week. But at least you'd think, all right, the people on the back end, they went through the lawfare. We adjudicated the invasion. Could we at least deport them? No. So this has nothing to do with any court order or whatever. That's what I'm telling you. DHS is going over and beyond the wacko California judges in what they're doing. So we're not even deporting these dudes. Okay? Not even deporting these dudes. Very, very disturbing. Um... By the way, just got an email. CBP just emailed me back. <laughs> I love this. DOD tells me to go to CBP and CBP tells me to go to DOD. <laughs> oh, you got to love it. Um, oh, man. Transparency, transparency. Yep. Only when it comes to illegals. Privacy, right to privacy for illegals. But anyway, this is going to be a big issue blowing up this week. We're going to talk about in the coming days. We're going to see who wins out here. But we got to call out McAleenan if he blocks any plan to start deporting those, even those with final deportation orders. That is a very important leverage that they have that could have a big effect on stemming the tide if they would only do it. And again... That goes with existing policies and procedures at DHS that refuse to follow the law. We have a lot of different layers of ideas. So this is even working with their sensibilities that they don't want to either push back against the courts or do an 1182F shutoff. Just at least deport several hundred thousand, have massive, I mean, the effects it would have in Guatemala if they would see that. Because if we start making this standard operating procedures, even if we would continue the initial catch and release, which is horrible enough and we shouldn't be doing it, but at least then if they see, all right, yeah, you might be released, but you know, six months later you're going to be gone, then that should be a pretty strong deterrent. The other thing to watch for on this front is when it comes to resources. One of the things you might have noticed, Carla Provost talked about this, the border chief, real lightweight. I don't know if that was an affirmative action pick or whatever. I don't know what the deal with that is. But anyway, her and McAleenan, they all talk about drawing a line in the sand. It's, it's very funny. We can't have a situation where we're now forced to release even single adults. That would be a complete breakdown of our border. (laughs) And I laugh. It's like, what, you're going to kill a horse 11 times? It's already dead 10 times. Most of this is the family units. That's That's what's fueling everything. 
And they believe no matter the gangs, no matter the drugs, no matter the cartels, no matter the national security, terrorism, statecraft, espionage concerns, health concerns, nothing. They will not shut it down with family units. Nor will they stop, catch, and release. Nor will they vitiate florists, which they have the ability to do. But just make sure we're not... Oh, the, the, the one place where they'll, they'll draw a line this in is single adults, which is really a minority of what's coming in. And anyway, a lot of the single adults, as we know, are getting away anyway because they're tied down dealing with the family units because they refuse to end catch and release. So as we know, they've built tent cities or they're contracting with, not built, a, the DOD already has them. They're contracting with DOD to set them up and, and run them. So one of the things I'm hearing is, so, so they're, they're not using them for family units. Again, we have a lot of different layers of ideas. One of our ideas was, even if you don't want to do a direct shutoff, at, at the very least, go ahead and do a um, uh, you know, rocket docket. Have 10 cities where you immediately put the family units there, and within 72 hours, have a rocket docket, have the IJs, immigration judges right there, turn them down, out. Airlift, do it near air bases where you could easily have airlifts, and, you know, if you want to marshal, see, that's the thing. If you want to marshal the military into being busboys and trans transportation hubs, rather than using our military to transport them into our interior, use our military, in this case, the Air Force, to get them the heck out of here, right? That That's what we should be doing. But no, they're only using them for single adults. So what I'm hearing is that they want to go ahead and it requests several hundred more ICE agents to go and help man these 10 cities. Now, on the surface, that sounds like a reasonable request. Like, look, you know, we don't want to release the single adults and we need the manpower, so they're taking away from ICE. The problem is this is this is a wrong strategy because the cancer already has killed CBP. Border Patrol, CBP, they're, they're done. At least allow ICE to remain unvarnished and allow them to do their job. ICE, But no, ICE is already being marshaled into hospital duty. I'm hearing both ERO and even HSI agents from ICE are being used to, to sit with you know these people at the hospital. Again, never mind the fact that we're exposing more American law enforcement to diseases. We don't care about that. We, we're just con meticulously concerned about treating the illegals, not protecting Americans from their illnesses. No, that's, that's not a concern. But the point is, in addition, um, CBP doesn't want to say that they're releasing people, so they're actually bringing down ICE agents, taking them off their line to go and sign off on the releases. It's unbelievable. But now they want several hundred new guys. I'm sorry if you hear the lawnmowers in the background here. Um, just bad timing here. But anyway, they want to marshal a couple hundred more ICE agents into this. Here's where they're wrong. You either deter it at the front end right at the line, don't let them in or rocket dock it out, or you do the back-end stuff we're talking about. Take the people you already don't have to go through lawfare. They already have final deportation orders and get them out of here done. Okay, that is it. Get them out. Okay? But what, what, what McAleenan's strategy is this middle avenue, half-assed nothingness. They're not deterring them at the border. They're letting them in. They're not ending catch and release for the overwhelming majority of what's fueling this whole thing, which is the family units. But they're saying, okay, the, the middle ground level, 
the single adults that let's put pump our resources into that and then divert from ice in order to um, ensure that we don't have to start letting them go. But even those guys, they're not doing expedited removal on. So that's the thing. Either way, McAleenan is a dumpster fire. CVP is a dumpster fire. So you may as well keep let ICE be ICE and at least have a stronger deterrent. I would rather use those 300 or so agents to have um, airlifts back to Central America from deporting those at the back end than trying to slightly plug at the front end the single adult business. Meaning, look, there's one thing if we're saying, look, this is over. We're ending it. We're having rocket docket for family units. We're getting the family units out at the front end. Then I'm all for siphoning off as many ICE agents temporarily as you need to facilitate that and man these tent cities. But they're not doing that. Because again, McAleenan is, 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 is a problem. And he has a third world mindset. What could I tell you? Okay, so let's go through some more immigration news. I forgot to mention there was one big thing that happened at the courts today, or rather I would say what did not happen. <clears throat> the Supreme Court once again denied an expedited appeal or an expedited motion for cert to take up the case of DACA. Talk about a third world country where we can't keep track, can't defend our integrity from foreign invaders. How about a third world judiciary that says it's unlawful not to grant amnesty to those coming here illegally? Folks, this is, again, everything you need to know about my thesis about the judiciary. Oh, we're going to win back the courts, Trump making record appointments, conservative Supreme Court. It's unbelievable. You cannot possibly think of anything more radical in the realm of possibilities than a court saying not only is DACA lawful, it's lawful for a president to issue social security permit uh, cards and, and, and work permits to uh, foreign nationals that have to be deported according to law, but that the subsequent president must continue it. This is something above all else you would expect the Supreme Court to immediately, if not reverse it, but immediately go ahead and take off the injunction. But again, these jerk holes, Roberts and Kavanaugh, all these guys, who knows how many of them, they don't know where the equilibrium is. They think, oh, they're being neutral. They're not being neutral. And this is another example where the president needs to openly and publicly give them an ultimatum. And part of the way to do that is to go and get rid of DACA because technically the lower courts just said you have to issue a new 90-day comment to notice period in APA. So go issue it. But that's their game, I warned you. No matter how radical, extreme, and harmful the, the cascading effects of these radical lower court opinions are, this Supreme Court's going to play games. So for those of you who thought, Daniel, don't rock the boat by trying to fight the battle of the century of ju judicial supremacy, just let's appoint better judges and uh, don't worry, the Supreme Court will take care of it. That was clearly the initial thinking of the Office of Legal Counsel in the White House. That is not happening. To this day, we still have the problems at the border with catch and release. To this day, we still have DACA. But again, the Supreme Court is not going to move 
to act on it if the president doesn't start pushing back. And again, in this case, it's not even so-called defying it. It's you just issue a new APA. They know that the president's not going to act until the Supreme Court acts. So that's why they're not acting. Roberts feels like he could wash his hands from this. It's unbelievable. Third world country style. No questions about it. Another, speaking of more third world countries, this from the uh, LA Times. Dental records at the border. An influx of Bangladeshi migrants claiming to be minors has contributed to the government's recent use of dental exams. And they're all, they're all up in arms that the government is, in their words, using unreliable dental exams to hold teen migrants in adult detentions. The young Bangladeshi sitting in the dentist chair last October thought he was getting checked for diseases. Dental staff examined his teeth, gave him a cleaning, and sent him back to the juvenile facility where he had been held for months since illegally crossing the border in July. But a checkup wasn't the real purpose of the dental work. The government wanted to figure out if IJ, as the young immigrant has been identified, really was 16, as he said, or an adult. The use of dental exams to help determine the age of migrants increased sharply in the last year, one aspect of the Trump administration's crackdown on immigration and illegal crossings. I'm not going to bore you with the details. I'll link to in show notes, but... You know, it's a whole long article. They talk about the science of these exams, whether they could determine that they're adults or not. But like, this is the type of stuff they're doing. Like, dude, I mean, come on. The the bigger story is, you mean we have Bangladeshis coming to our border? I thought the media denied that. Now they seamlessly glide into, hey, you're not letting out enough, uh, you know, these guys in, in, in catch and release. But that's the deal. You're going to get hit. You know, when you do a 0.0001% solution, rather than doing a 100% solution, you're going to get hit on it as if you're doing a 100% solution. So you may as well do the big thing. Just shut it off. There's news today. They're fighting with Mexico. Mexican government delegation is here talking about tariffs. If you want to leverage them, the way to do it is you just turn them back. And they bottle up in Mexican ter- territory. That's the case the president needs to give. And like I've mentioned for so long, every time they come out with the monthly numbers, they should be coming out with them this week for May. We already have a lot of them. When CBP holds that press conference, that is the perfect opportunity for Trump to give a shutoff speech to the nation. He's going to have to do it. He knows it. Man, is this frustrating. Oh, boy. Finally, you want to talk about making this country a third world country. Ultimately, there's no greater way to do that than by bringing in the third world in mass numbers. Earlier today... (laughs) Really, over the weekend, USCIS came out with their annual report of, you know, all the stuff. USCIS is the one that grants naturalization, green cards, permits, um, 
you name it. They also do asylum adjudications. So they have their annual report out. And they sent out, oh, we've issued the FY 2018 annual report showing the good work accomplished by USCIS. And they go on to say, we've completed 850,000 naturalization requests, a five-year high. We've processed more than 500,000 requests for certain humanitarian relief, a 32% increase. We granted nearly 1.1 million LPR status. So now... The conservative media is running around with that, like, you see, you see, Trump's not a racist. See, we're not a racist. See, we we uh we have more stuff, immigration benefits we give out than than anyone else. Again, because they want a talking point, not a policy victory. Instead, we need to be arguing the premise. I'm I'm out of time and out of out of steam and out of voice, but maybe we'll pick up tomorrow a little bit on this point. Of 850, well, I think these are naturalization requests. They did turn down some, so it was probably in the 750, 80,000 range. Every year, I want to give you a perspective of how unprecedented that is. Some of these additions are inevitably great human beings, great additions to our citizenry. But numbers, 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 numbers matter. And it's too much, and it's too much from the third world at, at once. It's, it's serving nobody any good. But instead, we brag about this. What's the sum total of today's show? What's the sum total of all of this? The fact that clearly government is only getting pressure from the left-wing agitation groups and the information they put out is with a certain tone and focus directed at their complaints. Oh, you know, no, don't worry. We're, we're doing it. We're, the guy didn't die. We're, it's not our fault. We have a timeline every day. What this demonstrates is that they are not getting blowback from other people. I'm like one of the only people trying to give the American side of the story, to ask questions for the American people, to, to pressure them on concerns and allegations that they're not treating Americans properly. They don't feel the need to even be transparent about information on that, whether it's diseases, whether it's our soldiers being attacked at the border, because nobody cares. I mean, the majority, the silent majority cares, but there's nobody speaking out for them. Well, look, even when my voice is kind of messed up, I will be that voice for you. But I need you guys to each send this show to 10 other people, friends, relatives. We need to spread the word, spread, spread the truth. I'm going to try to have some good guests on the show this week as well as cluing you in on all the important information on the border and immigration, as well as there's a lot of healthcare news, sundry news. I, and I apologize. There's a lot of things on my list, my bucket list for other issues. It's just I can't get away from these issues because there's nothing more imminent and important than it. But let me know. Let me know if there's other issues you want me to cover that you feel are important um, that you haven't heard enough about. Any comments, concerns, or questions, email me at dhorowitz at blazemedia.com. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. Thank you for listening. Thank you.